0: is the Big Church Podcast. Y'all can be seated if you can. So good to have have y'all at church this morning, and now I'm going to draw a picture for you. I'm joking. Forrest is going to draw a picture for you here in just a few minutes, but I want to take a moment to Introduce Forrest and his wife this morning, and I'm not gonna have you come up, but I'll just, have But I wanna introduce them to you this morning. We just kinda got to know them a little bit, but we know their heart uh, behind what they're doing. They're planning a church in Frankfort, Kentucky. And we're gonna go out to lunch with them afterwards and tell them all the, no, ho- nah, no, 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 we're not. But, um, I know he's been in ministry for over 10 years now, and he's uh, sat in some some amazing churches. And we just feel honored today to have him with us today. And and I I want you all to talk back to him this morning. I want you all to treat him like he's one of my, he's a country boy. I may not know him for long, but all I need is five minutes from the country. We know everything about everybody now. I know we're probably going to eat Mexican. I hope not, but here we go. But I want I want you all to stand to your feet this morning. I want you to give him a good round of applause for Forrest Coleman, Pastor Forrest Coleman.
1: Woo! Good morning, yeah. Woo! Man, that is man. I'm so honored to be here this morning to be able to share with you and my wife and I, Emily, and uh, we. We met, I mean, gosh, uh, the Watsons five years ago, stepping into the refuge and getting to be a part of their ministry and to see what God has done today and what God is doing in the life of this church. If you're excited about what God is doing at big church, can you just praise him for a second? Because he's doing something special. He's doing something special. My wife, Emily, and I, we're from Kentucky. We grew up in Shelby County, out in the country out there. Come on, somebody, somebody knows, somebody knows, go Rockets, come on. Somebody knows, and we have an almost two-year-old daughter named Ember, and uh, been in ministry for some time. We've most recently been in Charleston, South Carolina, a beautiful place out on three beaches and serving at a church there, a church plant there for four years. And about a year ago, or a little bit more than that, the Holy Spirit started putting visions of Frankfort, Kentucky on my mind in Charleston. I said, Lord, what are you doing? Sunny Three beats Charleston, and I'm sitting here thinking about Frankfurt and visions of Frankfurt. I'm like, oh, Lord. And so we have been obedient, and we just moved to Frankfurt just uh, four weeks ago, just a month ago, to start a work of Multiply Church. And we know God is going to do something powerful there. We believe that God has led us to Frankfurt. We've chosen to go and move our family. And we believe God is going to do something powerful there. And so I know, you know, when you're in Charleston, sunny three beaches, thinking about Frankfurt, that's an unnatural thought. But I figured out that it was a supernatural thought. And so the best place to be is in the center of God's will. So here we are, and I'm grateful to be able to share with you. My wife, Emily, she's a pharmacist by trade, yes, and uh, when we were in Charleston, she worked at Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. Uh, you know, Walmart, the people of Walmart, like in, like most of like bad stuff that happens in society has gone down at Walmart or a Walmart parking lot. Because if you're from Shelby County, you hang out in a Walmart parking lot. Come on. Hey, come on. Somebody knows. Somebody knows. Oh, my goodness. And uh, <laughs> today, uh, your, your pastors have asked me to preach on an easy subject, Dating. Thank you. Somebody knows. I was like, okay. Thinking about dating, I'm like, this is quite the topic right now. And I just want to tell you that before I start this out, that dating and my story of dating, and I'm coming to you speaking on the authority of God's word and the authority of my testimony that I have dated and done it the wrong way, and I have done it God's way. And I want to share that experience with you today. Now, Y'all know out there, dating is risky business. I told you my wife was at Walmart, pharmacist. This happened just a couple years ago. We were, she was working at Walmart, and one of the technicians, uh, a, a young woman, beautiful girl's there. She's uh, at the register, and a man walks up to the register. And uh, he says, you're so beautiful. And, you know, that's like, that's normally, it's like, okay, you know, thank you. But then whatever, if there's more to that, like we're in creepy zone, you know? (laughs) And he's like, you remind me of my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. Okay, red flag on the play. Guys, that's not your line, okay? Don't use that. Then he proceeds to pull out his phone and show her a picture of this girl who looks nothing like her, by the way, okay? And so they talk, he goes on, and then he comes back. Uh-oh. She's like, he asked her for her number. And she says, no, you know, give some kind of excuse. Now, this, this young woman was like a lot of you young women out there who just love, like, crime podcasts and the TV shows and all that. I know what y'all do. Y'all get on those podcasts, you be listening to that crime stuff. It's like, you're just like a nice girl, and you're like listen about serial killers. You're like, what is going on with this girl? Why is she doing this right now? No joke. So like a week later, a few days later, she's watching one of these, these, uh, these shows on TV, on one of those channels, you know, whatever it is, investigative, blah, blah, America's Most Wanted. And straight up, this man's picture comes up on the TV. And she's like, is that him? Like, is that him? And he is wanted for murdering his girlfriend. Now, hold on. Hold on. They put up a picture of the girlfriend. It's the same picture. It's the same picture. Watch out. So she calls the authorities. They come to the Walmart. They interview her. They say, let, let us know if he comes back. Well, guess what, cuz. Old dude rolls back up into Walmart. Now she calls the authorities. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know what happens after that story. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they caught him or not. Dating's risky business. <laughs> dating is risky business, y'all. Now, now that I've scared you all talking about dating. This is what the truth is, though. This is what truth is. It's easy to go on a date. It is much harder to find the right person to marry. It is much harder. It's easy to just go on a date. It's hard. It is complicated people ask about your what's going on in your love life well you know it's complicated one of those reasons is because when we look at the scripture that there's there, there's not just like a whole chapter of like this is how you date And so as we're trying to figure out what God requires of us and and just in this crazy culture that we're in right now, like it's just love is just we're learning so much more from Hollywood and from the radio. Like right now, like the number one song out there, driver's license is about a breakup. You know, she's like, you said forever, but now I drive alone past your street. Yeah. It's like it wasn't forever. The culture, the culture is setting the pace in our lives, and we have to make sure that we're doing it God's way, not the world's way, not the world's way. Now, in preparation of this message, I read a book this last week, Dating. It's Single, Dating, Engaged, Married by Ben Stewart, one of the pastors at Passion City Church in D.C., and uh, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend you pick it up. It's a brand new book. It's, it's just what I said. It's, it's Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. And some of the content from today has come from his wisdom. I just want to give him that shout out um, so you know that, that some of the things that I, I teach, I'm not going to give credit all the way through, but I encourage you to buy that book because it's going to help you in wherever, whatever stage you're in, whatever your stage you're in right now. And so really as we think about, and maybe you're here today and you're wondering like, okay, I'm here, I've been married, I've I'm this, I'm, like this doesn't apply to me, or it does. Whether you're single right now, whether you're about to have kids that at some point are going to be in the dating scene, or whether you're you know in uh, middle age and all of a sudden bam you're back in the dating scene for whatever reason cuz it happens it's happening to some of you right now what in the world are we looking for two questions as we go through today what should i look for in someone to date and then how do i find that person how do i find that person As we look at the scripture and look at what God has to say about the issue, it's good for whatever season of life that you're in. At some point, you're probably going to bump into a friend or someone who's in your sphere or a child or a grandchild that's going to be walking into this part and season of life called dating. You think about right now, the average woman, average woman is married at age 27, Puberty at 13. That's almost 15 years worth of this season called dating. That's not just a short time, that's like a whole portion of your life that's dedicated to this dating. And so, what's the process? How do I find somebody? Do I go online? Do I get on the app? Is it church? Is it social media? So I'll go to the bar. Like, what, what, what's my tactic? What's the process here? What do I? What should I look for? And I'll go ahead and give you a little teaser here. What should I look for? The two answers to that is character and chemistry. Character and chemistry. And how do I find that person? We're going to talk about it now. In the scripture, like I said, there's not just a chapter that says like, "Thou shalt date like this." It's not there. It's not there. If anything, what is even more confusing and difficult for us in 2021 is that the concept of dating is nowhere in the Bible. There are two groups of people that are in the scripture. You have brother and sister in Christ and you have husband and wife. Those are the two designations. This concept of boyfriend and girlfriend and dating, that is a modern concept that doesn't come from the scripture or I may even say from the Lord. Over the last two millennia, as people have been following Jesus, people have come together in marriage in a lot of various different ways and methods, all the way back to Bible times, but we're not in that time anymore. So what do we do now? How do we do this? What am I supposed to do? Well, we're going to take a look this morning at a passage of Scripture where Jesus encounters a woman who's having trouble with her love life. And uh, this is in John chapter 4. And to set the stage for this piece of scripture, Jesus and his disciples are going through this area that's uh, north of Israel called Samaria. Now, in Samaria, there's uh, basically there's two different groups of people and uh, two different races of people. And religion is a little bit different. And and the people of uh, Jesus, the Jews, just by the way, just in case you're asleep this morning, um, Jesus was not white. Y'all know that? Jesus was not white. Okay? And also on top of that, Jesus was not racist, okay? Just want to let y'all know that too. That's just a piece of scripture about to see right now. Because the Jews, his people, would not even walk through this area of Samaria. They would go around from Jerusalem all the way, a much longer journey all the way up to get to Galilee and would not walk through. But Jesus and his disciples, we start in John 1, and it says that Jesus and him, they walk through Samaria. They're walking straight through because Jesus has an appointment with this woman. And so they sit down at this well, Jacob's well, and there is a woman that's there, and she's drawing water. And the disciples, they head and they go into town to get some food, and it leaves Jesus and this woman, and they're there. And we're going to pick up the story at verse 9. It said, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, 'Are are you a Jew? And I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus is sat down at this well. She's there drawing water. And he asked this woman for a drink. Jesus replied and said, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And then she gets sassy. You know, she's having trouble with her love life. She's a little sassy. So she says, but sir... You don't have a rope or a bucket. Like Jesus didn't know that. She said. And this well is very deep. And where are you going to get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give you will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then she says, please, sir, this woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here and get water. Now I want to start out with this first way that we should be looking at dating today, and I just want to tell you all out there, just from the jump, um, Jesus says that he is the living water and that if you drink this water, this living water, you will not be thirsty again. Some of y'all right now are thirsty for a relationship. Like y'all like thirsty, thirsty, you know what I'm talking about. Like like what y'all say to each other, like girl, you thirsty, like stop. Stop that. Stop it. (laughs) Y'all out there, you're like, that's all you can think about. It's all like thirsty for a boyfriend, thirsty for a girlfriend. And a friend of mine who's in his like mid-20s, this last week, he broke up with his girlfriend in two years. They broke up. It ended. I said, bro, tell me what you want to tell the people. (laughs) Straight up. He said this. He said... Y'all need to chill. That's what he said. Y'all need to chill. He said. Uh, he said you got guys and girls out here, and all their worth is wrapped up with whether they have a relationship or not. But we know the truth that your worth is in Christ, not because you did anything for it, but because He bought you with His blood on the cross. Woo, we're gonna get there, but I'm gonna hold back for a second. Y'all thirsty? And so, this is what you need to do. This is the point number one. Write this down. This will help you or your children. Guard your heart. That one's for the girls. I got a different point for the guys because I always felt in church when people say, guard your heart. I always felt like it was like a Nicholas Sparks book, like it's about the notebook. Like, you know, you better guard your heart, young man. I'm like, what are you talking about? This ain't my sermon. So, for the guys, (laughs) I've, I've got the point be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard. All right, you, fellas, know what's up. You know you why know I did that. Okay, let me teach you from the word. Proverbs 4.23. We're gonna go through a lot of scripture. You can jot them down, like, but I'm pulling all this scripture to help because again, like I said, there's not one chapter that's all about dating, so we're gonna have to sort of go on a journey. You good for that? Okay, perfect. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. You should not right now be thirsty, because you should have Jesus and have his living water. Now I know what it's like to be thirsty because I went to a Christian college. There ain't no more thirsty people on the planet, y'all, than a bunch of young people at Christian college. Let me tell you. They they walk on campus and girls are like, ring by spring. Where's my man? And, I mean, I watched this Christian, like, I would, it would be crazy because I would go on this, like, campus, and I would look at, like, some guy, and I'd be like, that dude, that dude, he ain't good in a girl. Like, you know, just, he's got a lot going, he's a mess. And then, like a, like, a few months later, there's a girl, and she looks just like him, and they're paired up, and it's like, there's somebody for everybody out there, is what it feels like, you know? Because <laughs> in people, they're just trying to get, they're trying to get wifed up. This is what I'm saying. Guard your heart. Why do you guard your heart? And this is why, looking close, this is why your heart can't be trusted. Let me teach you from the word. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Is that up there? I don't know if it made up there or not. Let me read it again for you. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Right now we live in a feelings-based culture. I do feel this way. I don't feel that way. I'm going to go this way and be guided by my feelings. When what we need to be doing is being guided by the word of God. Now for the fellas. Okay. Thanks, Pastor Rich. Uh, <clears throat> to the fellas, be on guard. Why? Why? Because the devil is prowling. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be sober in spirit and be on alert. Be on guard. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Seeking someone to Devour. This is where I was as a young man. I grew up in the church, my wife and I, we met when we were six and eight years old in Sunday school. Makes you throw up in your mouth a little bit. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it didn't turn out like a fairy tale, okay? So that's why I'm talking about it. Uh, My wife loves the Lord, my life has been dedicated to the Lord. Her and Jesus have walked closely together for almost an entire life. We got saved the same week and baptized on the same Sunday. What about that? And there was a different path for me. (laughs) I said yes to Jesus, and then I was like, "Ah, no, Jesus, and I started to stray away. Somewhere around, like, becoming a teenager. One of those reasons is because I started to, quote, date when I was, like, 12 or 13. And in doing so, began to become physical with girls, which is most people's story. If you're a parent in the room, um, just to let you know, this is a little, if you haven't already said this, I know y'all have had some great sermons y'all talked last last week. Uh, Taylor talked about singleness last week. Praise the Lord. I, I watched your message, and um, she reminded us that singleness is what? A gift. That's a gift. Um, but for young men out there, and you're thinking, okay, I need to now be on guard for my spirit because the devil is prowling around like a lion trying to get me, trying to get me, trying to take me off course. And so I went down this path and I was, you know, in this party scene and I was partying on the weekends and we were in church and we were, you know, it was country, Shelby County, we were having field parties. Y'all don't know about that, city people don't know about that. I'm not recommending it, I'm just saying, (laughs) country. And uh, I met this woman, Emily, who she'd been, uh, you know, in my life all through in church. And then all of a sudden, she came to my high school, and I noticed something different about her. Different, and it was a purity. Now, part of that is because her dad told her that she could not date until she was 16, and so I also assume that she grew up like churning butter and like milking and cows and stuff. <laughs> she didn't, by the way. Um, but when I wanted to ask Emily to date me, when she, the, uh, like just a little before she turned 16, her dad brought me an application to date my daughter. This is no joke. Now, dads, I'm not telling this to shame you. I'm telling you to, to empathize with me. <laughs> empathize with me. Here I am, like 16, I had to fill out an application. It was like, and it was real bad. Like, it's not 2021 approved. It was like, you know, if you got tattoos, please leave. If you this way, please leave. You know, it was like crazy. So I'm like filling it out. And I had to call him and talk to him before our first date. He asked me what I, was, uh, what I studied in the scripture that day. Now, I just say this, like, if you're a parent in the house right now, whether you're a mom or dad, you can be that for your child. Because there's a level of innocence that needs to be protected. And for me, and my parents are amazing people who love the Lord, and, you know, if anything, it was my craziness, but, like, I could ride my bike to my girlfriend's house, and that was not good. And there was a protection over their home, that, bear, that was bearing fruit and would bear fruit in my life even later. So uh, let's go back to Jesus and the woman. So in verse 16, so he's just asked this uh, woman for a drink and then said, hey, uh, you know, but if I give you this living water, you're never going to thirst again. And she said, please give it to me so that I don't have to keep coming back to this well because it's a lot of work every day. And then Jesus totally flips the script on her and he spills her tea all over the ground. And in verse 16, and we got it. Here we go. He says, hey, go get your husband, Jesus told her. Now, I don't know why he did that. Probably because he just wanted to turn the conversation to show her that she needed that living water. And then she responded and said, I don't have a husband. The woman replied... And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. Uh, You've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man who you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So I don't want to sit right now in a seat of judgment on this lady. Because just to be honest, like that's, that's America 2021. Like, whether she was married to those five men or she just had, like, five boyfriends, like, and that she had been physical with them and given herself to them. Like, we're just, like, this is, like, she's us. She's us. And she got into this scenario because she hadn't followed God's way. And she needed to be following the word of God, which is our guide. And that's the second thing you need is you need to use guardrails. You need to use guardrails. Now, guardrails are something that you ignore every single day as you drive everywhere that you go until it saves your life. Which happened to me just a few years ago. I was on a trip, I was by myself, I was driving my dad's truck, I was going down to Gulf Shores for the holidays where all my family was there waiting for me, and it was just before the, the Alabama line in Tennessee, and it was raining lightly. And while it was raining so hard that, like, everybody was, like, slowed down, we were going, like, 50, 60 miles an hour on the interstate, by myself, driving, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, from the other side of the interstate comes a sports car, and it is zooming, spiraling across the grass of the median, and directly to me, directly towards me, and it hits the other side of the embankment and breaks in two, and the backside of the car comes over into the lane, and the truck that's behind me in like those police videos, he swerves over and hits the back of my car. You know what I'm talking about? And I start spinning on the interstate from going 60 miles an hour, and I'm spinning around, and I'm holding the, I'm like in college, I'm holding the steering wheel, and I'm saying, Jesus, 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 cuss word, cuss word, cuss word. Jesus, 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 cuss word, cuss word, curse word. Because I just wanted to know how serious I was. You know, like I needed, that was like all the prayer I was getting in that moment. Don't judge me because it was like, it was the end. You know what I mean? I mean, whoa, okay? And I, my, my, the Explorer spun three times and slammed into the guardrail, destroyed the back of the car, and it stopped me dead in the tracks before I went over a ravine. And I was sitting there perfectly safe. I'm scared right now from that. (laughs) For those online, something just fell back in the thing, and so it was like added to the story. Um, Guardrails, it's something that you need for your life. So who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? A follower of Jesus, number one. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. This is in a relationship sense. This is in a marriage sense. For what, I, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, this comes directly from Deuteronomy 22, 10, Old Testament, where they're giving laws out in the scripture in verse 10 says, do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Now, I'm talking about some old school stuff right now, y'all. Shelby County country stuff, okay? The yoke is this piece of equipment that ties two animals together as they're pulling whatever is a cart or a plow or whatever it is. And if you put a donkey and an ox, which obviously are completely different in strength and completely different animals, completely different species, like it's not going to work right. It's not going to work right. It's not going to work right because it's not going to go straight because the stronger one, the ox is going to pull it off course. because the weaker one is not able to sustain at the same level. And even though you may be strong in Christ, all of a sudden you are connected to a donkey. There's another word for that in the Bible, but, and then you're being pulled off course. You're getting pulled off course because you're yoked up with someone who doesn't believe Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he is alive, that his redemption changes everything. What are you looking for? Let me tell you this. You want to be wifed up and you want to be dating right now to somebody who's an unbeliever. Like, if girls, if he's over six feet and has a six-pack abs, that doesn't matter when you're in an ambulance on the way to the hospital with your child who's in there. And that guy doesn't know how to pray and ask the Lord to come and intervene on the situation that you're in. Woo! So what kind of man are you looking for? Let's let the scripture teach us Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Now, guys, yeah, this is for you. This is who you should be aspiring to. Even if you're married, you need to be aspiring to a man like this. This is God's word. Because even after you're married, you need to be dateable. Somebody told me early when Emily got married 11 years ago, said, "Um, you better date your wife while you're married or somebody else will. Somebody write that down. (laughs) Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Pause. What does that mean? What man are you looking for? You're looking for a man who's not walking in the counsel of the wicked. He's a believer in Jesus. And not only that, he has strong Christian friends who are walking alongside him. That probably means he's involved in church. Not that you drag him to church, but that he was already here or he was already there. Because you're looking for a man who doesn't sit and stand in the ways of sinners and in the counsel of the wicked. Thank you. You need need strong Christian friends. Now look at this. This is a whole nother level, ladies. Verse two, but his delight, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, that's not just a church going brother. That's a dude who has intimacy with God through his word. Guys, this is who we want to be. You want to be walking in the ways of Jesus, you want to be walking with Jesus. And then, verse three, he is a tree planted by streams of water and yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And look at this, guys. In all that he does, he prospers. We're not walking in the way of wicked. We're walking in the way of the righteous. And so in doing so, we prosper. That doesn't mean you're gonna have a Bentley. <laughs> but it means you're gonna have a successful life, guys. Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit in its season. Ladies, if he is not bearing fruit, he's not for you. You know what he has to do to bear fruit? He has to be serving. He's probably on one of these teams out here holding a door or doing something because he's bearing fruit. He's back here in a booth. He's, doing, he's serving. He's, he's like leading a small group. I don't know what all y'all got going here. You're about to have a whole thrift store and everything is about to go unbelievable, but he's going to be in there doing that kind of stuff. He's going to be He's going to be serving and bearing fruit. All right, ladies, your turn. What kind of woman do you need to be? Guys, this is the kind of woman you're looking for. It's, it's intense. Okay. I'm just going to read the whole thing. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she lasts without fear of future. Woo. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instructions with kindness. <laughs> Honey-do list. <laughs> she carefully watches everything in her household and she suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. And then look at this. This is my favorite verse of this portion. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Now, I'm not about to stand up here and tell you that attraction and beauty, guys, is not a part of the equation. You know, beauty isn't everything, but it's something. <laughs> and that means what's beautiful to you. Okay? But let me also tell you that it is fleeting. And even though you may be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, like, you know, ladies, like, if you're young right now and you're having, like, issues, like, like, you look good right now, and, like, you know, later in life, you may, like, still looking good, but you, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 the scripture says it don't last. Like, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to set us free. Now, listen to this. The two things it says to not build a relationship on are charm and beauty. Guess what online dating is, y'all? Guess what Tinder is? Guess what Hinge is? Guess what all these things are? You have a profile pic, beauty, and then you have a DM. How good does he charm me? Did he say something sweet? Was it charming? Ooh, I like that line. Even on Hinge, you can like swipe right on like a random quote or like a random picture. Guys like, I like the beach. I like guys who walk down the beach. Swipe right. (laughs) What are we doing, y'all? I'm not knocking it. I'm just trying to help us see that, like, w- the culture is here, and, like, we have a different way, a God's way. Okay, I'm not trying to knock it because I know it's 2021. Um, so, okay, who you're looking for, not only who you're looking for, but it's who do you, who, who should you be? Are you dateable? Are you guys, girls, this passage, are you trying to be that person, even after you're married? So how... Uh, how do you go about finding that person? Now we're going to go there. I don't know what time is, but I'm, y'all good? All right, good. We're going keep going. Okay, 1 Timothy 5.2 says this. Treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Now, again, go back to what I told you, like boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not in the Bible. So we think about dating and what that looks like. Like we need to have a perception of, okay, you've got, you've got brother and sister in Christ and you have husband and wife. So yes, we may be like dating and there's attraction and there's chemistry and there's stuff going on. But like I have a call now, guys, that I should treat this young woman with all what? Purity? And as you would your own sisters. Now, uh, those two things, chemistry, character. We're over here swiping and all the stuff. Here's the thing. You're checking people out. You're out wherever you're checking them out. Listen to this, ladies. Check out his character. Guys, the same way, girls. Guys, check out her character. Guess what? You can't do that on a first date. You can't do that on a third date. It takes time. It takes time. Character and chemistry. That's why I say, now this is a forest thing. Now, this is not a Bible thing, this is an opinion. I heard this and I've seen this ring true and so I'm gonna give you a little, this is a little life hack type deal. But it says, I'm not trying to say this is scripture, okay? When you date someone, see them in all four seasons. All four seasons. Because like it gets dark in Kentucky and like things are going on and like people go crazy in the winter and stuff, you know what I mean? So you wanna see, like you wanna have enough time to like perceive and watch someone's character the chemistry factor. So how do you go about finding that person? So you're looking for character. You're looking for chemistry. You're going to give it enough time. Now y'all all all know that person who's like, we were dating for three weeks and he asked me to marry. We've been married for 37 years. Y'all know that person? Which that's fine, right? Like I, I get that, but like, you know, people also win the lottery. People also get struck by lightning, you know, like anomalies happen. Exceptions to the rule actually happen. I understand that. But like, you're not like the standard. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. I'm sure there are plenty of people who got married after a few weeks. And then later on, they realized that the guy or the girl, their character was not what they were portraying. So make sure that you have enough time. I can't tell you what that is. I wouldn't begin to tell you what that is enough time. But you need to know, like, it's not short. But... On that, it's also like not a whole long time either, right? <laughs> yeah, all that. <laughs> you know, the people are like, we've been engaged for four years now because we're waiting on the perfect venue. It's like, that ain't what your, that's what your that the wedding is supposed to be about. <laughs> the calendar of when you can get the venue. Anyway, I'll get off that. Um, so how do you do it? How do you go about it? We said guardrails and that's the point that we're in. We're using guardrails. The guardrails, that's a fancy word for saying boundaries. Boundaries. Now let me tell you, Emily and I, a little bit of our story. So um, we began today in high school and then all of a sudden we were long distance from one another and I was still in this party scene and so I was like not following the Lord, I was being a huge jerk, I was going to parties out in Shelby County over at University of Kentucky and I was cheating. And I was, not, I was not doing what God told me to do. My character was not there. And it, we broke up. And then I continued to be in relationships that were not honoring to God. And then when I was a senior in high school and into my freshman year of college, the Lord got a hold of my life. And I won't tell that whole story because it's long, but eventually ended up calling me into ministry. And so I went and I went to this Christian college and things were crazy and I was there and I was and I was still like trying to figure all this out and I was like, okay, I need to be, I started realizing like I need a wife and I started to think about some of these things that were in the scripture and I started to think about Emily and I was like, man, she like read her Bible and liked to do that. <laughs> like she wouldn't just let me touch her wherever I wanted to touch her when we were out on a date. I was like, man, like that's the kind of woman I want. So this was like, 2007 ish, and so I did what we did back then. I sent a 10, six, 10 cents text message. <laughs> y'all remember that when each text costed 10 cents? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all do. <laughs> Some of y'all was like, I was alive then. So I slid into her DMs before there was any social media. Um, and we began a relationship, and we began to date but we wanted to do it God's way this time. And I wanted to do it God's way this time. And so we had boundaries in our relationship. We had boundaries in our relationship. I wanna, I wanna, this is now I wanna draw on this board. So this is just, I can't draw. I'm not an artist. I'm just trying to. Up here, like this is marriage. I also can't write very well either. You're not gonna be able to read it. Okay, this is marriage up here. And there's different portions of your relationship in the way that different, different facets of it, okay? I'm gonna just make some abbreviations. You've got physical, okay? Okay, you've got emotional. You have got, uh, you've got spiritual. And I'm gonna add financial now because that just is like financial vocation, like all those things interweaving your life together, okay? Now, here's the thing. Most of the time in church, when you get to talk about dating, The only thing the preacher talks about is physical boundaries. What I wanna tell you is this, is that when you're married, it's not just only physical that you move forward in intimacy. This graph is an intimacy graph. And so what ends up happening is, even for believers, if all of a sudden there's no check and no boundaries and no guardrails on these other areas of your life, say even as a believer, like you're not like, you're physically, like you're like there, but like, man, y'all like telling every single secret y'all have like all your deep darks emotionally, like she's like getting you, she's like, she's like asking you for things and like getting those emotional fixes, those little dopamine hits those girls get emotionally, and it's unchecked. That's a level of intimacy that's reserved for marriage. Now I'm gonna say something that's sort of controversial, so hopefully, pastors, y'all are okay with this. So spiritually. Like, some people say, like, your girlfriend and boyfriend, like, y'all need to, like, get a Bible study to together, pray together every day. I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. Because you think about spiritual intimacy, outside of, the, of, of sex of sex, spiritual intimacy, the most spiritual thing you can do is to pray with another person alone. And enter the throne room of God. And read the scripture together and interweave your relationship with Christ with somebody else. So if you go all the way here spiritually, even if you're being a good Christian, we do the Bible study like people couples that do Bible studies and pray together like they will end up having sex sometimes cuz the intimacy level's so high. Now let's talk financially. We're like, "Hey, yo, like you know houses are expensive, so like we're going to just buy this house together." You know what I mean? Like that will make more financial sense. I've heard that. You've said it. You may be saying it right now. You know what? It doesn't make sense in God's economy. In God's economy. This woman, she's at the well. She's hanging out. And she's like, Jesus spills her tea everywhere. Says about her husband's, and she's living with her husband now, or her, her boyfriend now. And she just like, All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, I'm not dealing with a regular human right now at this well. And she says in verse 19, she says, Sir, the woman said, You must be a prophet. She recognizes something's up. This guy knows my stuff. Then she tries to curve and ask him a religious question. She asks him about worshiping up on some mountain or whatever. And she's trying to change the subject, is what I'm saying. But Jesus answers the question, but doesn't take the bait or get off course because he's there for a purpose. She says, down in verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And he looks at her and says, Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming out from the village to see him. And we skip down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village And so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard heard him ourselves. Now we know that he indeed is the savior of the world. This woman runs back to her village. She shares what just happened. And in doing so, she accomplishes kingdom purpose. People come to faith in Jesus because of her testimony. And immediately she is in Christian community with other people who are in her village. The third thing you need is this. You need to have authentic Christian community. You need to have lifeguards. You need to have lifeguards. What do I mean by that? You need to have people who are watching your back. When you're swimming down in the deep end of the pool of dating, you need some people who are watching you, some friends who are around you, who are helping you out, ladies. They're saying, yo, yo that you're in a deep end right now. You're drowning right now. I'm coming to get you. Or God's vice versa. Because God's just be like, dude, that girl's crazy. Bro, you need to dump that chick, dude. She's wild. Proverbs 24, 6 says, so don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. You need to have real friends that care enough to keep you accountable. So this is Emily's story, and i and, and, uh end our story here that when we dated in college, we ended up dating for four years. It was a long time. It was long dating. But we were able to save ourselves through that entire time because she had a trusted friend. I had a trusted friend, my roommate. We sat down early in our relationship. We wrote out our boundaries, physically and otherwise, on a piece of paper. Back in the day, baked piece of paper. We said, we're not gonna hang out past this time. We're not going to do this. We're not going to get on top of each other. We're not going to, like, real in the, we're not going to send these kind of messages to one another. We went in and get, like, real, real deep. And then I gave a copy to my friend, and she gave a copy to her friend. And whenever we hung out, afterward, my friend, who loves me like a true brother in Christ, would look at me and say, hey, bro, did y'all do that? And that was awkward. <laughs> that was awkward. Awkward but that kept us in God's way for four years long. I'm not recommending you date for four years, but that was our story and we made it. And for me who walked in and I had not saved myself after four years long, it felt like I had saved myself. The Lord had brought restoration. And so for you, you gotta have some lifeguards, some bodyguards in your way. Let me say this, online dating it takes away Christian community. Like you see a guy's profile. He doesn't live here. He's across the country. Like you don't know his people. You don't know his community. You don't know what his friends say about him. You don't know what his church says about him. You don't know. And so the anonymity that's there, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you need to be on guard, guys. And girls, you need to guard your heart because you need that community that's around you and lifeguards in your life. And if they, nobody knows him, if nobody knows her, You're in the deep end of the pool without a lifeguard. You're way out there. Okay, I'm closing. I want to say this, and I want you to look in deep right now. If you don't remember anything else that I say today, remember this, okay? You're worth dating God's way. You're worth it you're worth it. He's worth it. God's worth it. But you are worth it. You are worth dating God's way. Not only that you would date God's way, but somebody would have the character to date you God's way. You're worth it, daughter of God. You're worth it, son of the king. You're worth it. You are worth it. And if somebody right now you're a relationship with and they're not loving you in that way, you need to have a conversation. You need to get some Christian community. You need to get some things going in your life because you're worth it. Because God loves you. You wanna know why he loves you? He demonstrated it to us. The fact that he was the ultimate one who guarded our life on the cross. Can you imagine right now what your life would be like if you had your relationships dating otherwise in God's way. Just think about it. If you had guardrails up, if you were guarding your heart, if you were on guard and you were finding that person that had the character and the chemistry that could last a lifetime, the commitment will come in marriage. That's not my sermon. But imagine... Jesus was the ultimate guard of your life and he went to the cross for you. I'm here, I don't know you, but I love you. I know your pastors love you and they would say the same thing I just said. You are worth it. Jesus bought you with a price on the cross. You may be here today, you haven't started a relationship with Jesus. I wanna tell you, you are worth it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who was a perfect man, he was God. He was the son of God and he never sinned one time. He was tempted in every single way that you and I were tempted so that he could stand in the gap and he could be a lifeguard for you. That he could save you when you were dead and deep and drowning in your sin far from God, that he would come and pick you up and that you would be in eternity in heaven one day with him. And you may be in the room today. And there's all these parts of your life and you're like, I don't even know this Jesus. Today is a day that you can begin that relationship with God. Or maybe you are a believer and you need to walk his way. Let me pray for us. Father, I come to you now. Lord, I lift up to you right now. Everybody who's in this room, they're in relationships, that are dating, that are married, that are looking for someone. Father, I pray, Lord, that they would have the Power to walk in His way through your Holy Spirit and through what you do in their life, God. Father, I pray right now over this room for anybody in this place who's not begun a relationship with you, Jesus, that they would hear the fact that they are forgiven. Just like this woman that you sat next to on a well 2,000 years ago, you love them, you see them, they are worth it to you that you would die on the cross. And so, Father, I pray, Lord that right now, God, that they would reach out to you in prayer and they would say something like this, Jesus, save me. I believe that you died on the cross for me and I believe that you are alive. Wash me, forgive me, so I may walk with you and be in heaven with you one day. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? If you want prayer this morning, your pastors and prayer team are going to be down here on the front as we stand together we worship together. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Fagan Bush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again
0: for listening to the My Big Church Podcast.